Cofield and Company, live from NBA Summer League at the Thomas and Mac. Give it to him. Thank you. <laughs> Wiseman remains red hot. Wesley, back to back. Pippen Jr. with the absolute dime inside the Jones. Thor. Ball game. JT Thor with the game winner from the corner. It's time for Cofield and Company on ESPN Las Vegas. Back here, Cofield and Company. Hill and his homies edition, Adam Hill, John Bartobo. Inside the Thomas and Mack Center, it's halftime of the Rocket Spurs game. Great event over here at Thomas and Mack to get over here to the NBA Summer League. A couple days left going through the 17th here with the Summer League action. Uh, we could probably do the argument about the draft for hours, but just to wrap things up, I, I just I just feel like anytime there's an event that is, I mean, I guess we can disagree on it. At least the first pick is predetermined. Yeah. It's like betting a wrestling match. Not all the time, though. No, it, Adam, no it, all it, the it, time is predetermined. Adam. All, it doesn't always get out, it, but it's always predetermined. No, it's not. In the, in, like, with the National Football League, like, when it comes to it, not all the time. I just gave an example. The, in the National Football League this last year, nobody had any idea until a week before the draft that Walker was going to be the first guy. Right, but that's a week out. It's predetermined a week out. Right, I'm not and, saying it's predetermined from the beginning when the odds are put up. Right. It and, is predetermined. And when, when the event happens, somebody already knows the outcome. Yes, that is for one selection in an event right. that is littered with other markets for sure. betters to get into. But for the most part, I mean, if you're not going to do number one, for, I don't think you should number one pick betting. And then if you're not do that, I don't think you should do anything. And if I, okay, if that's where you want to go, then maybe you go there, right? If that's the step you want to take. But these are markets that are heavily limited. What? On, this is what I'm going to ask. What is the difference between betting the first pick of the draft and betting a wrestling match? You don't know. You don't know. No, somebody knows. Is yeah, what I'm saying. Sure, somebody knows, but also somebody knows the change. outcome. But also, like some of this is determined by intel, right? So, like for example, minds change about the way that you. At what point did it become determined that the Jacksonville Jaguars wanted to go with Walker? When somebody in the front office told they knew, and then somebody in the front yeah, office told somebody. Point. Just because the information we got said they determined a week ago didn't necessarily mean it was the case. We don't know that up until that point, right? Even the day of that they were debating between Hutchinson and him. Sure, and it clearly happened in the NBA and the NHL. Clearly. Right. That, yes. But what but I'm saying is if anybody in the – I don't think – I'm not saying the draft even in particular. If there is any event where somebody already knows the outcome, it shouldn't be edible. So, or, you again, you heavily limit it. Or if you want, that's fine. But that doesn't mean the entire draft. The first overall selection is hyper-focused because we have months in every single sport sure. to look at it, analyze it. We know who the top prospects are. We know who the team is going to be who's going to pick there. That's a really long time to analyze that and get information on it and finally realize what it's going to be. But as you get further down the board, like when you're talking about you know the draft position of Dyson Daniels, for example, or something like that, Right, as you get further into the NBA draft, is why, which I just brought up. Pick on him? I'm just saying, like, I bring that up because I think there's a lot of people who are listening to this who'd be like, who? Right? Sure. That's what I'm talking about. So you shouldn't just go straight to, hey, man, take it all off the board. If you want to regulate harder what's going on with the first overall selection in that market, then yes. But to go straight to, you shouldn't be allowed to bet on this, 
I think is ridiculous. And also to your example, when you're talking about a team further down the board, a team further down the board at 23 could go into a draft saying we want our guy. But there's also different things that involve that because if their guy goes at 14, their draft board changes, and thus it doesn't become predetermined because now you're reacting to the things that happen in front of you. No, you're absolutely right. I I, I think I'm talking about more live betting in that case where it's very limited who does it. But obviously, I I just think it's a blanket thing. If it's it's something that is already determined and that somebody already knows the outcome, then we just should not have betting on it in general. Right. And when – the books have taken steps to kind of get in front of something like this. Like out here in Nevada, for example, you take them down 24 hours before the actual right. event. Like little things like that. Maybe you tweak that when it comes to the first overall pick. I mean, I think it would be like kind of lame, but like when you're talking about you know, take it down a month before the draft, whatever it is, so you don't get something like this. That'd be fine. And I'm with you. I've heard ridiculous rumors as to what happened with the NBA, right, and who that first overall pick was um, or, you know, how that information got out there. But at the same time, you know, that happened in – the days leading up to it, it's not like this was something that happened in the weeks leading up and there was just, like, this ridiculous thing where people were just pounding it. You didn't know understand what's going on. Like, it happened in the hours that were leading up to the NBA draft. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So, like, I, I agreed into the sense of something weird happened with that pick. You should look into that. Or whatever happened with the NHL draft, it didn't seem as extreme of a move, but still it was a move in which one guy went from a plus price to the overwhelming – not overwhelming, but favored to go with the first overall selection – that is something worth looking into, but I think you should keep it limited to the first pick because the rest of the draft is not as predetermined as I think you were making it out to be. Sure, and I was thinking more first pick. And, but if you're not going to have first pick betting, what, I mean, that's what's going to draw the most attention. I mean, draft anyway. position stuff, all sure. that kind of like that. That draws a lot of attention. Sure. Battleborn Injury Lawyers presents the Big Five at Five, number five. All right, we got a couple of music stories to kick things off here. Can I also just say really quickly, sure. last point on that? Yeah. Um, part of my staunch defense of this is also that you're not going to see me weeping for sports books oh, who course. clean up like of 99.9% of the time, and they're more than willing to have this conversation because this is the one thing they consistently lose at. Well, no, we're just going to keep going. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I agree with you, uh, but the one thing I would say is I'm talking about more there's, there are people that are playing the market that don't have the same information other people do, and right. I know that's going to yeah. happen. Any, like with injuries and that sort of thing too, but I, you're playing against a market where some people already know the answer and they're winning because they know the answer. And you're you're like, hey, let me try to take this underdog. Well, somebody already knows the answer to this. Yeah. And they're doing that. So that's that's what I'm looking at more for people than I am the sports books in this case. Uh, music. No, no easy segue from that. But uh, you, Nicki Minaj so, was not looking out for the people. I was going to do the Elton John one first. I do have a theory on the. On the Nicki Minaj, or a point on that. Uh, Elton John is coming to Las Vegas to do a residency. Or no, he's actually in a Legion. He's not doing a residency. He's in a Legion Stadium. Big show. Are you – Was it, this was you that wrote this, right? This was an Ari? Me, what? It was you that wrote that You that said uh, you couldn't name more than uh, one song by C- him? Candle in the Wind, uh, because my mom played it like 30 <laughs> times when Princess Diana died. Um, and, like, that's it. I feel like – okay, I – I got nothing. I don't oh, know. Rocket Man? Yes. Because that, that was the name That's of the one. movie, though, right? Sure. Okay. All right, now I'm out. I think there's like a Crocodile Rock or something. That sounds terrible. I don't even know if that's true. <laughs> that sounds terrible. Uh, I could not name songs by him. No. But I think I, I think maybe you're the same that you would actually know them. If well, I think them. he's got like a recognizable voice. So I'm yeah. sure like if you played me songs, I'd be able to pick out which were the Elton John songs. Has, I think. He has to be okay. There's a whole generation that's obsessed with him. 
Well, that's the thing. Hasn't he had like a thousand farewell tours? I couldn't tell you. Like at some I point, enough. I don't know enough about him. At some point, like Esser, get off the pot, dude. Like, <laughs> let's go. We made the movie about you. You had the farewell tours. Can we move on? Like I having mean, the Grateful Dead had like a million farewell tours. So too? you're not going to the show? No, I'm not. I'm, I'm going to say something somewhat controversial. Oh when I was a kid, I was super into concerts, right? But that was like, you know, emo rock, teen angst, all that kind of sure. stuff. Hanging sure. out with friends, sneaking beers, whatever. If you were to tell me right now I would never attend another concert in my life, I'd be like, okay. Wow. Like, I wouldn't really miss out on that much. I'm, I'm, I'm with you on concerts. I will say, you know, I just went to Lovers and Friends, which the festival, I mean, the lineup was ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, logistically, it was not Nightmare. great. Yeah. Uh, but I still Fire enjoyed fest. it because I like it. I'll, I'll go to festivals and things like that. Yeah, but, like, festival, there, there's other things to do, right? Like, you know, like, the last big thing I went to, like, like I've been to a Warped tour before. Okay. You know, and, like, in, in the moment, you get excited, it's cool. But then, like, when you're there and you're like, I, mean, I got to walk to what stage? I got, and they're there. I mean, I enjoy, you know, I enjoy Life is Beautiful and show stuff like that. Yeah. Uh, day in Vegas a couple years ago was great, although this, this year's uh, just got canceled. I was thinking about going to EDC, but like, there's other things no. to do at EDC, yeah, aren't there? Too, I mean, few, besides drugs. I was going to say, if you, if, you, if you aren't into drugs, I, I don't know that you would have a great time. Well, I think that's the right about, thing. That's about the it. right kind of drug. Not my, it's not my scene. Life is beautiful. More me, day in Vegas, lovers yeah. and friends. Those things are great. Uh, you're right. I mean, there's a couple shows I think I'm going to see coming up, but I could, if you, if we had to get rid of them, it's it's not something that would ruin my life. Right. Uh, you also sent over. <laughs> Nicki Minaj show started 30 minutes late. She performed 40 minutes of a planned 80-minute set. Artists who do this are jerks. Yeah. Changed my mind. Uh, you're upset about this? I'm not. Like, so I've been to so one concert that I did attend. The people did this, right? Where, this is a cool thing, man. We're rock stars. We're going to be late, man. Your time's not important. It's my time. I'm going to sit back here and smoke a bunch of weed, man, because weed's cool, controversial, and then I'm going to come out really high and perform. Like, I don't know. Like, we get it. Okay? You think you're important. Just do the show. And here's the thing. I will say, to give credit to the people that I went to go see, I think it was uh, Dirty Heads that did that, if I remember correctly. Um, they at least performed their whole set still. Right? Like, they made the, the crowd wait an hour and a half, but they still performed their hour and a half set. That was, well, uh, Axl Rose did that at, at Guns N' Roses show here at... Uh, was it like, the first one? How long? Was it, it like, a bunch of them. Like, two hours later, something ridiculous? I think for the night I was there, I think it was, like, three. Yeah. But he did it, I think, a lot when, during right. the residency. And he's known for it. So you kind of know it as a, as a fan of them, right. I guess, what but, I was told by the fans. But apparently, Minaj not only showed up late and, as you mentioned, it's performed funny, half funny the set. to call set. her by her when I, Yeah, like, right. Nikki, Nikki Minaj. <laughs> uh, but performed half of the set. But also, apparently, when you read the story, in the middle of the half-performed set, told the crowd, hold on a sec, and went in the back to change clothes and then came back out and, like, half-heartedly sang some songs before she left. I'm with it. Here's this is why. Stop. This is why, and I, I actually do have a reason for this. Uh, I, I have been to a lot of shows, and I know you. You know, you said you don't love been to them. a lot of Nicki Minaj shows. No, not a lot of Nicki Minaj shows. But uh, you go to a concert for the most part. Now, if if it's on purpose, it's obnoxious. If you're late on purpose, and that's what you do. That that is obnoxious. Uh, but I've been to a ton of concerts, and I remember some of them, like you know. Uh, Drake's first tour was terrible, and then he came back with, like, a much better tour. I went to both those shows. They were both good. They are fine. But I don't, like, specifically remember that much about it. Like, hey, it was a cool show. 
I went to an absolute disaster of a show, and it's actually kind of famous. Uh, during Kanye West's tour, he, in his Sacramento show, was late, did two songs, then just started screaming. In a, it was a tirade about politics and everything in the world, all this craziness. And then he just stopped and left. How much did that cost you? It was about two fifty. Yeah, it'd be no, no. But I remember it. It was a memory. No, and it's a thing. Not, that's not. Stop. It's a thing. That was worth two hundred fifty bucks. Well, that's ridiculous. To be fair, it was also the third time in the third different city that I'd seen the show. Doesn't matter. Two hundred fifty dollars <laughs> for some people. That was the first time and maybe the only time they were going to see Kanye West. And they'll remember it forever. Yeah, that they burned two hundred fifty dollars. They can say I was at that show. No, stop. If, if you if, uh, if I had you said I had hey, never I went, heard I went to a Kanye if you're like hey I went to a Kanye West show people would be, okay cool. right, but you're, you're telling but me, I went to the Kanye West show where he left after two songs but you're telling me that you're like I get to say I was there you're telling me that you were there and I'm like first off one I've never heard of it <laughs> two that sounds stupid that sounds really stupid I, I'll, I'll add to this because it was awesome for those that uh, remember seeing any part of the tour or saw like videos of it he was on a he was on like a a weird stage that kind of just floated around the arena. It really, it was really cool logistically. But then he had to like tell them, "Hey, let me, let me down. So <laughs> I gotta get off this thing so I can leave." I'm so walking dumb. Walking out. Two hundred fifty. It was crazy. But I remember it. So it was something. So I, I was trying to change your mind on whether I'd be okay with that kind of concert, clearly or not. Number four. All right, LeBron's been here a couple times. We're at the summer league here, at Thomas and Mac. LeBron's been here a couple times. I know he's a. Uh, Attracting a crowd, I, you know, I don't think he's signing autographs like Budenholzer is, but he's at least around. Uh, yesterday, Scotty Pippen, uh, who else was down there yesterday? Um, oh, Shaq was here. Both their kids were playing. But LeBron made news for more than just being here. Right. Were you annoyed by him? No, no, no. So, so, so for those who didn't see, LeBron um, pictured on the sidelines with a Ziploc bag, like, of snacks that he was eating sure. when he came to watch the Summer League, right? So a lot of people are like, oh, you know, billionaire, packs his own snacks, blah, blah, blah. So let's start a couple of things. One, how do you think rich people become rich, right? They're frugal. Sure. So, of course, LeBron sure. James is packing snacks to events, okay? But can I say, we're kind of missing the point here. Does LeBron James live in Las Vegas? No. No. Right? He might have a place. Maybe. With Ziploc bags and snacks? My point is, is that, yes, he's a frugal billionaire, but he's also a billionaire that can pack snacks in a Ziploc bag in his home in L.A. and still make it to Las Vegas to watch a summer league game and eat said snacks from his Ziploc okay, first bag. First of all, don't you think he just has an assistant that goes and gets some snacks and puts them in a bag? He's not bringing it from L.A. But if you're going to get snacks, unless he's got some ridiculous rich man demand, he's like, they've got to be in Ziploc bags. Like you're just giving him the bag of nuts that he's eating or whatever. Is, are you are you willing to say that it's a bag of nuts? I can't really tell what's in there. It, it looks nutish, but I, I cannot say I could not tell. So I know is. some of the backlash has been not backlash, but some of the response from people calling him cheap and that sort of thing has been no. He's on a very strict diet, and that's right. You can't get that at the arena. Probably you have to get, you have to bring your own. It's probably part of it. From his home in L.A. I would like to know what's actually in the bag. He, it's just a regular, normal Ziploc bag. Right. Of some, It's a feed bag that he's eating out of. Like a, like when, a sandwich bag. Like a sandwich yeah. Ziploc bag, yeah. Yeah. Like when, uh, when, Although, can I say, when his Seinfeld hands, was bootlegging. He, he was, he's really large, 
So it might be a bigger bag than we think. Like you Kelsey know what I mean? Plum with the trophy? Right, yeah. What's bigger, the trophy that Kelsey Plum won or the bag of snacks that LeBron has? You think it's like a gallon Ziploc bag and his hands are just <laughs> yes. so big yes. that it just looks like a normal sandwich bag to us? It's very possible. I'm gonna bring. Yeah. I'm gonna bring a Ziploc bag of snacks tomorrow. Can I just say also because like seeing all these guys, I don't know why I was so amazed by this. But like, so Damian Lillard was sitting on the sidelines of one of these games, right? And he like reaches down and pulls out a Pepsi and like pounds half the can. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, it's the off season. I'm like, yeah, but I'm like, huh? They're just like us. <laughs> he likes Pepsi. <laughs> Athletes are just like us. Uh, yeah, I, I'll bring snacks tomorrow. We'll see what we can what we can bring in here. Maybe healthy. Maybe LeBron will uh, enjoy, join us and have some snacks, too. Number three. All right. I'll tell you what's not going to happen in my bag of snacks. If I bring a sandwich, I'm going to cut it like a normal human being. Now, there is all allowed debate. I don't think there should be a debate, but I'll allow the debate whether you cut straight across the bread or diagonally. Right. Clearly, diagonally is the proper way to cut a sandwich. It's For me, it's the fancy one. That's fancier to do the diagonal? Yeah, like if I'm feeling fancy, I'll cut the diagonal way. I just think it's the proper way to cut it. I feel like you get more room on the plate for some reason. I don't know why. So then you put your chips in the middle. Well, yeah, if you go two diagonal sides, you can put put the side in the middle for sure. Uh, But I just think that's the proper way to do it. I'll allow the discussion of cutting it straight across for sure. Uh, Whatever this lady did, I will not allow discussion. She cut a normal sandwich. Right. The two regular pieces of Wonder Bread, whatever it is. Yep. It looked clearly a multi-grain type of bread. It is. Come on. Into six pieces? So she clearly, so you go diagonal cut first. Basically for those a, who are a listening. tic-tac-toe board right. into it. Yeah, so for those who are listening, it was diagonal cut first, and then two perpendicular diagonal slashes to make six pieces of the sandwich. And again, it, it's not a giant, it's a normal piece of bread. Right. So... Th- there's no reason to cut it into that many pieces. I don't understand it. Unless you're sharing? So you're sh- okay. So how many? Is like, it with or, a squirrel? Or, or a child. Like, that was my first thought. You know what I mean? Like, like Diego, I cut his sandwich into fours. Because it's easier for his tiny little hands and his little mouth. At, was there ever a time in Diego's development that he needed a, a bread cut into six pieces? I mean, if, yeah, I guess. I don't know. I mean, he's weird, dude. Like, he'll tell me, like, he needs you to cut the sandwich in half. Like, it's in already four pieces. I'm like, that's not how math works. Like, you can't. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it, like it's in half, and those halves are in half. He's never asked you to cut into six pieces. No, he's though. never asked me to cut into six pieces. If somebody, if you were, like, visiting somebody and they put out a sandwich that was cut into six pieces, what would you do? I don't know. <laughs> like, if it's not a hoagie, you know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah I'm out. I, I, would, I think I would just leave. Well, it's like, have you seen the picture of, like, somebody, like, who, like, cuts a chunk out of the pizza in the middle? I, I can't even respond to that. <laughs> Who's done this? Oh, there's plenty of people. Because they just want, like, the cheesy part, like the middle. So they won't cut it in normal slices. They'll like cut like a chunk out of the center. Do you uh, do you follow the effed up pizzas Twitter account? No. How what, what is this? It's What's a, the handle? I think she's in, it's the actual word. I think it's uh, it's effed up pizzas. It's a it's a girl. I think she might be in Philadelphia, uh, who just takes <laughs> okay. she just she just gets pictures of awful pizzas Ooh, kiwi, and posts them. Kiwi uh, pizza. I believe top, huh? I believe two days ago she posted. Uh, 
pizza uh. that had banana peppers and American cheese. Uh, what the hell? She just yeah, she posted a little bit ago. It was like raw tomatoes. Like it yeah. looks like a margarita type pizza, but like there's clearly not cooked. This is it's awful. It's a great Twitter account. Good follow. Highly recommended. Baked beans. Yeah, that's. I mean, there's some real awful. I mean, I mess with this, but that's clearly not cooked. <laughs> some, Way too many jalapenos. Some awful pizzas out there. Uh, but none none cut up into, what would this be, like a 1,000 pieces if you're going to do it the same way yeah. the bread was? Uh, it's bad. Number two. John Morant. Was, has he been out here? I don't. I haven't seen him. Yeah, he has been. Has he? So John Morant has been out here. He's in right Vegas. there. Is he really? No. Okay. <laughs> he's been out here in Vegas at the Summer League. Uh, he's dishing out some hot takes. And I don't know if it's that hot, but let's hear what he had to say. Yeah. I wish I played in his generation, though. Yeah. You wish you would have played in his generation? Yeah. Why? I heard he was like, like just how he, you know, go about the game, you know, just that mindset he had. Mm-hmm. I would like to, you know, play against him, so. Yeah. You know, yeah, this time you're not saying, I would have cooked him. I would have cooked him, too. <laughs> okay. So that is John Morant. I should have set it up better, but that was John Morant saying With he Taylor wished, Rooks, by the way. wished he played in Michael Jordan's generation and he would have cooked him. Okay. So first off, can we just say, before we get to the actual aspect of basketball here, the people who are actually outraged by this, right. I want to slap in the face. Like, I really do. He's, like, he's clearly talking to Rooks. Rooks leads him into it. He's joking and comes back and says, yeah, I would have cooked him. <laughs> you know, like, the, the hot takes, the think pieces that are coming out about John Morant from this are, they're mind-numbing. I I'll can't go, do it. I'll go a step further. I mean, and I kind of... It's true. <laughs> What's the hot take here? It's true. Sorry, people. <laughs> if you don't understand the fact that there is evolution, I don't know what to tell you anymore. I will say... John Morant would have cooked Michael Jordan, yes. And by the way, if Michael Jordan was born 30, 40 years later, he would have cooked John Morant. <laughs> but John Morant is in a different generation. We've evolved greatly. Athletes are so much better now. I, I don't know if he would have cooked John Morant, but I will say that people would have been like, who would have been locked up? Like, you, you, you don't, you're not watching basketball. No. Also, can I just say, my favorite thing that I saw in all of this was one of the top responses that had like 1,000 likes, 2,000 likes, whatever. This guy goes, this is the guy who's going to cook Jordan who got locked up by Steph Curry, and it's one play from their series against the Warriors in which Curry, like, strips him, right? Not forgetting to mention the fact that he averaged 30 on nearly 60% shooting against the Golden State Warriors before he got hurt. But, yeah, no, that's the one play that's representative of what he did in that series. People are the worst. You know what's not the worst? Dude Perfect. Two tickets. The That's Happy Tour Dude Perfect Saturday, July 16th at MGM Grand Garden. Buy tickets at AXS.com. Dude Perfect is an American sports and comedy group headquartered in Texas. They do awesome stunts, awesome stuff up on stage. Go check it out. Dude Perfect, caller number 5364-1100. You're going to see it. Two tickets to Dude Perfect. Come back. We'll get to number one. It's the Big Five at Five, brought to you by Battleborn Injury Lawyers. If you've been injured, call Justin Watkins at Battleborn Injury Lawyers, 570-9000. Last year, Lamar Jackson came in eighth place, and this year he got jumped by Joe Burrow and Justin Herbert. It's difficult to be a pure pocket passer when you major in running the ball and minor in passing, where other quarterbacks like Dak Prescott, who edged him for that 10th spot, more of a pure pocket passer, more of a pass-first offense. Lamar doesn't have that luxury. 
Now, back to Cofield and Company, live from the Thomas and Mac. Thomas and Mac. It is Cofield and Company, live, Thomas and Mac. Summer League games going on right now. You can hear them in the background. Uh, man, we don't have enough time to fully get into this. Hopefully, we can uh, finish it up in grab bag. But the best story of the day, not involving Zach Wilson and Mothers, uh, there was a fake cricket Premier League being broadcast and wagered on. Yeah. These kids, and there was a, a group of kids and some unemployed folks uh, in India who created a fake league. They started it up on uh, basically a YouTube stream. They would broadcast the games. It looks, okay, it doesn't, it doesn't look professional in retrospect, but the score bug looks pretty professional. Yeah. They've got a game going on. People at least know what they're doing playing cricket. I think if you know now what we know, you could see, okay, these probably aren't elite players necessarily. But essentially they had they were taking bets from some people in Russia. They would play these fake games, and then when a bet would come in, the umpire on the field would be notified in a, in a headset of where the bets were, and then he would tell the players, here's what we have to do. And they were basically just acting out whatever they had to on screen to make the betters lose. So whatever was good for the house, that's what they would do to win. And they were broadcasting these games and streaming them for a couple of weeks until they finally got caught. They got to the knockout stage of their, of their, of, of their, so tournament. Of their tournament. I mean, they were going to get a lot of the championship game, I think. I mean, look, I've not, I have not watched a lot of cricket in my life. Um, but I will say that I feel like I know that there's more than about four or five people involved. I think like so. The, the, the footage is just like the four people. Well, I think you like, get away with saying it's just we have single camera. We're just going to live stream. I guess. You don't see the outfielders. You just see the. I don't know the rules. I don't know if you like it's important to find out what happens off camera. But I feel like I'd be watching a couple of games of this and I'd be like, hmm. I feel like I want to see more. <laughs> sure. But they were getting away with it. And, and I think it is another sign of people will bet on anything. Now, I feel like this. You might need some regulation. <laughs> this is this is a more. This needs to be more regulated than the number one pick <laughs> right, market. Right. Okay, that's fair. Uh, I love. I really. It's our fault for falling behind because we were arguing about the stupid uh, number one pick market. I there's so much more that I want to talk about on this, yeah. but it is fantastic. Go check out the footage. Uh, it is out there. The fake cricket league from India. By the way, the actual cricket league had just ended, and then they started this up. Like, just a little bit of research would have told you this is not really. This is not really the cricket league. So the good. Indian Cricket Premier League, they were shut down, uh, arrested. Unfortunately, I think they should get a pass for being creative and uh, having some, some brilliance. Somebody said they scheme. should serve negative 10 years in jail. <laughs> they should. That's, that's very fair. Well, we're gonna get, we'll get back on track, talk a little NBA. Back when we continue. More of Cofield and Company is on the way. I don't think it's LeBron going to the Lakers and saying, you've got to get me Kyrie Irving. Uh, I have to have Kyrie Irving. I think it's LeBron's opinion. We need to improve. How can we improve? And really the only answer that I can see is Kyrie Irving. Now back to Cofield and Company, live from NBA Summer League. Ah, the offseason of the NBA, never dull. We're here at the Summer League Cofield and Company. Hill and his homies edition, Adam Hill, John Von Tobel, from the Thomas and Mack. A close game. Rockets and Spurs. Six and a half left in the fourth quarter. 74-73 Rockets as we monitor the action out here in the Summer League. But we always love talking about the offseason, especially when it involves the Lakers. 
and Jovan Buha covers them for the Athletic, joins us right now. How you doing, sir? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. Uh, I don't know if you have an answer for this, but hopefully you have gotten to the big question of the day on our show. What exactly was LeBron eating from that Ziploc bag? <laughs> um, I was actually sitting right behind him, so I, I had a, a bit of a vantage point to the bag in question. Uh, <laughs> it, it looked like some type of trail mix. Like it, it, I could definitely see some cashews and some almonds. Okay. Um, not sure if there was like some pumpkin seeds or something in there, but uh, yeah, de- definitely looked like a healthy trail mix. Not your, your you know, normal uh, M&Ms and raisins and stuff in there. <laughs> it, was, it was all uh, looked like uh, pretty healthy stuff. So we were discussing this. Everybody was freaking out the bag, about the bag, Yovan. My point was it also speaks to the fact that he can be at home, pack a snack in a Ziploc bag, fly on a jet, come to Las Vegas, then eat said snack in the same night. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that, that's just... <laughs> Uh, yeah, that, that shows that you know the, the dedication to to the craft. You, you don't really see guys eating courtside uh, most of the time at summer league. So, yeah, yeah uh, we have LeBron taking care of his body. Sure, we've been really thoroughly examining this. We don't know if it's that he's being cheap or healthy. A lot of oh. questions. A lot of questions about LeBron and his. Uh, I saw his Damian snack Lillard bag. drink a Pepsi. Clearly, he's not focused. The yeah. money has gone to his head. That is, that, that's very accurate, but. Uh, what what were the takeaways kind of from early on in the summer league for the Lakers of, of what was going on on the floor? Yeah, well, I think Max Christie, their second-round pick, is someone that uh, is going to be a bit of a project on the offensive end, but I think defensively he has really stood out and is someone that already looks like he could potentially play some minutes at the NBA level just because of his defense. He's six foot six, uh, got long arms, really good at – um, defending the ball, defending pick and rolls, uh, getting around screens. Like, he's just a, a really smart defender with some pretty good physical tools. So I think that has really stood out with, with him. Uh, the, the shot is still developing, and that is really his, his, you know, his appealing NBA skill was supposed to be his shot. That is still a work in progress, but I think if he can defend at the level he's been defending at, continue that, you know, bulk up, get a bit stronger. Um, he does profile as someone that could be a 3-and-D wing at the NBA level. Uh, I, I think Cole Swider has been one of the bigger surprises where this was a guy who was not ranked on ESPN's top 100 prospects, wasn't ranked on, on the athletics prospect list, uh, but the Lakers took a chance on him, uh, worked him out a couple times, signed him to a two-way contract, and he's been shooting the leather off the ball. I mean, he, he is a knockdown elite shooter, I could shoot off the dribble, shoot off the catch, shoot coming off movement, coming off screens. Like, he is a, a real deal shooter. The questions with him are his athleticism, uh, his lack of length. Uh, I think that kind of limits his, you know, two way ability where he's going to be a defensive liability at the NBA level. But if he can, you know, maybe get, uh, you know, a little bit more athletic and, um, you know, kind of figure out the defensive end, I do think that he potentially has a role as a bench shooter, you know, down the road. And then Scotty Pippen Jr., uh, the other two-way guy, I think has been solid on both ends. You know, offensively, is really crafty, really good at getting into the paint, good at drawing fouls, uh, and is improving as a playmaker. And then defensively, is someone who can dig into the ball. I think the one question with him is, you know, he's six feet, six foot one, and it's really difficult with the way that the game is going to be that type of point guard unless you're an elite scorer or an elite athlete. 
As of now, he is not either one of those. So I think for him, you know, he's got to improve as a shooter and really got to, I think, you know, kind of improve as a playmaker and, and um, figure out ways to, to be more effective defensively aside from just on the ball. So I think overall, you know, it's tough to take too much from the summer league stuff, but I think we've seen the Lakers have one of the best scouting departments in the NBA, and there are some things to like with these guys. And, and again, lower expectations. One's a second-round pick. Two guys are undrafted. But you know, considering that, I think they've already showed some NBA-level skills. You know, Yohan, really quick, I know we, everybody wants to get to the glamorous stuff, but it, you hit on something I wanted to ask you about, which is, like, do the Lakers get enough credit for their scouting department? Because they, they have a sneaky, really good track record, and we always get caught up in trades and LeBron and all of these best things when they've got a track record of getting some diamonds in the rough and making them really close to diamonds. Yeah, I, I don't think they, they do get enough credit with, with their scouting department. I mean, if you really go through – uh, you know, I, I wrote a, a deep dive feature on it last summer. Uh, I recommend everybody go check that out on the Athletic. But um, you know, the, the Lakers, if, if you go back over the last decade, they've knocked it out of the park. And you know, some of the lottery picks, I, I think, were, were you know hit or miss. But really, in comparison to some of the other way, like you're there between D'Angelo Russell and Jaleel Okafor, and you know, D'Angelo Russell maybe never lived up to that number two billing that you would have loved, but he certainly was better than Julio Okafor. And um, you know, I think, especially in the later parts of the draft, if, if you, you know, go through it, Larry Nance Jr., you know, Josh Hart, Kyle Kuzma, uh, getting Alex Caruso as an undrafted guy, getting Austin Reeves last year as an undrafted guy, Caleb Horton Tucker at the end of the second round. Like, they've really done a good job at identifying undervalued young talent. And, that, I think, has been a sneaky part of them. You know, that, that championship run, you know, some of those guys were guys that, that, you know, again, Kuzma, Caruso, like these are guys that other people had overlooked and, and the Lakers identified. So I don't think they, they get enough credit where, you know, most of those guys, if, you know, I'd say they have like a 90% hit rate on, on their draft picks right now. So it's been pretty impressive. Follow him up on Twitter at Jovan Buhaj, J-O-V-A-N-B-U-H-A, covers the Lakers for the Athletics. So when will you be covering the trade of Kyrie Irving to the Lakers? It's a loaded question, man. Uh, <laughs> I, I'm not sure. I, I think, uh, you know, it, it seems like they, they've hit a bit of a stalemate uh, based on, on what I've heard and, and what has been reported. And, um, you know, I, I think both sides, it's one of those things where both sides kind of know, I think, the, the Lakers know what the Nets want. The Nets know what the Lakers want. Their offers, you know, the the, the potential framework of that deal isn't really going to change. Uh, we'll, we'll see what happens with DeAndre Ayton and, and and Phoenix, and you know, does he get sign and trade, uh, you know, sign and traded to Indiana, or, or does he just sign an offer sheet and force Phoenix into a tough position? Because if they match the offer sheet, they can't, uh, you know, include him in a deal. But then if they let him walk, they just lose him for nothing and don't really get to replace that asset. So I think you know, the, the NBA has been in a gridlock now for the last couple of weeks because of um, the Kevin Durant situation. And, and really, you know, uh, this has had a ripple effect, I think, across, you know, it's not just KD, it's not just Kyrie, but uh, again, DeAndre Ayton. And, um, you know, there's been several free agents who, who kind of were waiting to see what was going on before making their decisions. And uh, so there's a lot is up in the air, but at the same time, the Lakers offer can't really change. You know, like they can only offer what they can offer. And I think for the Nets, their priority is figuring out what are we doing with Kevin Durant? Are we trading him? Are we keeping him? 
Um, you know, how long is this going to take? And, and once they flip KD, I think you'll see them quickly move on to Kyrie and, okay, this is our next kind of priority. But for now, I think it's what can we get for KD? What is the most we can get? And, uh, and trying to maximize that. Well, I mean, I'm asking you to go like 10 steps forward on this, but let's say the Kyrie deal doesn't happen. What then? Well, I, I think they, you know, obviously have to retain Russell Westbrook in, in that case. I, I think with Malcolm Brogdon going to Boston and, and now potentially Miles Turner going to Phoenix and that DeAndre Ayton deal, uh, that probably eliminates Indiana as a realistic trade target. So now you're really left with, you know, is Oklahoma City or San Antonio willing to uh, kind of increase their tanking and take on Westbrook uh, and, and, you know, send out some longer-term contracts uh, and absorb some of his salary into their uh, cap space? Or is Charlotte, you know, that, that's uh, another popular one that had been floated out before where you could figure something out with Gordon Hayward and another player to uh, and, you know, is that something that appeals to the Lakers? But really, I mean, I think if it's, if it's not Kyrie or the Indiana deal, I do think they're, they're probably starting the season with Russ. And honestly, that's, that's pretty bad for the Lakers. I, I think as currently constructed, um, I like the offseason moves that they made. I think they, you know, especially at the center spot, got some length and athleticism and, and some younger bodies. But overall, this is still a smaller team, especially on the perimeter. This is a team that does not have one knockdown shooter, let alone multiple, which is kind of what you need to contend in the modern NBA. So while on paper I think they got better, you know, compared to last season, they were so bad last season that, you know, even an increase it does not get them back to the top of the West. So LeBron and AD being healthy will, will certainly help. But, uh, and, you know, that's, of course, a big what if. But if they keep Russ, to me, they are a playing team. And, you know, they're going to be in the seven to nine range. And that's not what you want with a team with LeBron and AD. So um, if I'm the Lakers, I, I do. If it takes two picks to, to trade Russ, I, I give two picks. Like that, uh, that's the point I'm at where I just don't think they can contend with him on the roster. And if I have LeBron and AD, I want to contend. And I want to have a, a one to two to maybe even three year window here where you know, with Russ, you're kind of punting on this season. So I think the Lakers have that pressure of, of you know, and you had the whole LeBron-Russ dynamic at the summer league game where they didn't acknowledge each other. And, like, you know, that relationship seems icy right now. So I think if you're the Lakers, like, you don't ever want to deal from, a, a you know, lacking leverage, but you also sometimes have to put your pride aside. And if it takes two picks to get this deal done, I think at the end of the day, back against the wall, you, you just got to do it. Uh, any chance that they can't get a deal done, they're stuck with Westbrook, and LeBron just says, get me out of here? I don't think so. I, I think LeBron will play out next season. But in that case, um, I would not be – you know, one, I, I don't think he would sign an extension in that uh, scenario. And, and two, I would not be surprised if he left next offseason. But I don't think LeBron's going to demand a trade. He, he's never done that. You know, we – for all the talk about player empowerment and LeBron's role and all that and, and sort of him going team to team, he has never demanded a trade. He has never held a team hostage in that sense. He, of course, has done it you know, by signing one-year deals and, and kind of putting pressure that way, but he's never done what Kevin Durant just did or, or what you know, James Harden or, or other stars have done. So I, I don't anticipate him forcing his way out in, in that way, but I do think 
you know, if the Lakers do not contend next season and Russell Westbrook is on the team by the end of the season, I think that could potentially spell the end of LeBron in L.A. But again, that's, that's you know, that's just speculation. That's kind of forecasting out. I think we got to see how, who knows, maybe Russ is a completely different player next season. I'm skeptical of that. I don't think that's going to be the case, but, um, you know, maybe the Lakers have great health and, and LeBron and AD is good enough to get them to contention. But I think with the roster construction and with the poor fit of Russ, I think they're most likely a playing team if they keep him. And I, I know LeBron, LeBron's not going to like that. There you go. Great, great stuff. Jovan Buha, make sure you follow him up on Twitter. Uh, thank you. Follow, fo- follow him and his work at The Athletic, covers the Lakers. We thank you, man. Good talking to you. Thanks. Good talking to you, too. Great stuff, as always, from him, and great stuff for you guys, the listeners. If you want to go see Rise Against, July 15th, Zappos Theater, Planet Hollywood. Ooh. Tickets on sale at Ticketmaster.com. Rise Against, the great show. Two tickets, 364-1100, caller number five. Join the conversation on Twitter at ESPN Las Vegas. Cofield and Company presents. Hey, hold on, hold Grab bag. Don't touch it. Don't even look at it. Only on ESPN Las Vegas. Wrapping things up from down here at Summer League. Thomas and Mac, Adam Hill, John Von Tobel, Cofield and Company. Hill and his homies edition. Love it. Uh, that game ended. I didn't see the final score. The Rockets won, I believe. Yes. Uh, but there were the wrong color on the scoreboard. It was very weird. Oh, was don't get me started on that. Lots of fast breaks in the game. Hopefully we'll see that more tonight. Thunder and Magic. Very important. Not Paolo Boncaro, though. Actually, let me double check. I was about to make a factual statement, but I don't know if this is. Chet Holmgren warming up? Uh, let's see. Yeah, he's right there, yeah. right? So, yeah, he's warming up. Yeah. He might play. No Paolo. No, we know that for a fact. Paolo is not playing. Uh, and I do think I know. I, I think I mentioned one report said that Caleb Houston is not going to play. He is. He's actually in the starting lineup. So we know for sure no Paolo, and that's all that really matters. Fake news from JVT. All right. Uh, yeah. I see how it is. Or right. from the Orlando Magic blog nope. that I follow. More fake news here. Stick your hand in there, Dave. Uh, Derek Jeter has finally spoken about the gift baskets. Oh. Uh, for those that have not heard that story before, it was a story that came out. I don't know, like 20 years ago? Yeah. He was in the New York Post that said Derek Jeter had prepared gift bags in his apartment. And when his conquest for the evening would leave in the morning, he would give them a gift basket that would include things like an autographed baseball nice. and some other things. Just to say, hey, thanks for uh, the night. Don't tell anybody. Sign this NDA and get out of here. Nice. That was the story that came out. I have heard many, no, many. Several women discuss this on podcasts and confirm that it's true. Derek Jeter okay. says no. Absolutely not. In fact, he said he was angry about it. He said he read it, was disgusted. He said he was in a Starbucks one day, and some guy tapped him on the shoulder and said, hey, man, I just wanted to thank you. I read about that story, so I started making gift bags for the girls that I hooked up Stop. with, too. All right, I'm sure you do. And Derek Jeter then... Snap back at him and said, you're an effing idiot. It's not true. And shut up. Why would you say that to me? Do we believe this or no? Uh, Methinks you doth thou doth protest too much. Is that the phrase? Well, he did wait a long time. Now, this denial is part of the new uh, documentary. I think it's a seven-part documentary. I'm so tired of this, man. What? Just because Last Dance worked, everybody has to have a yeah, seven-part like, documentary? Yeah, dude. 
Also, like, Jeter's so boring. Who cares? He played for the Yankees. This isn't boring. This is the best part of the documentary, probably. Yeah, but it's a, it, is it, is a documentary powered by him in some form or fashion. I'm sure. So, of course, it's going to be very pro-Jeter. All right. Well, that I guess we're not going to be excited about the documentary either. That'll do it for us. Going to go watch some cricket. Uh, I, have a, I have a large bet on a cricket match from India. Hopefully that comes in. They're in the knockout stages, I hear. Uh, that and a number one pick prop. So we're good. <laughs> Got some good bets going. Summer League going on until the 17th. Every single night, come on out. Enjoy the action. Uh, big one coming out, Thunder and Magic. Chet Holmgren about to take the court. That'll do it from us. We'll be here all week. Come by, stop, say hello. We'll talk to you later. Tomorrow, who knows who'll be here? I'll be here. Maybe somebody else. Talk to you then from Thomas and Maxson.